Skateboard. still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. And you are listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show on CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And you just heard right there, brand new from the Zips. 40 years of punk rock. Thank you, John Zip. Veteran Glasgow punk bands, The Zips and Fire Exit, have joined forces to celebrate the 40th anniversary of punk rock in the UK by releasing a split CD EP on October 22nd, 2016. The first anniversary of the 40th anniversary of the first UK punk single, by the Damned, which was released in the world by Stiff Records 40 years ago on October 22nd, 2016. But that was The Zips with 40 years of punk rock. Thank you so much, John Zip. And we have a caller on the line, I think. Hello, caller, are you there? Hello, caller, are you there? Hello. Oh, we lost the caller. So we will hear the B-side of the Zips right here, which is actually, believe it or not, a live performance of the Zips playing at the venue in London in 1979. And they're playing their debut single, Don't Be Pushed around the zips from 1979. So you think you're changing me into someone that I love? I don't want to be changed. I'm happy the way I am. Let's do things together. That way we're not apart Let's do things together And that will be a start You know what I mean You know what I mean Change it You wanna be Change it You wanna be Change it You're not gonna Change me So you 
You think you're changing me into someone that I'm not I don't want to be changed I'm happy the way I am Let's do things together That way we're not apart Let's do things together And that will be a start You know what I mean You know what I am Changing Don't want to be Changing Don't want to be And you are still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. And you just heard right there, fire exit, actually. Fire exit with changing by fire exit, the B-side to the zips. And the zips began with 40 years of punk rock. Again, thank you. Thank you, John Zip. And we will get to the Zips Live in 79 another time. Right now, we are joined by... Hello, we have a caller right now. Hello, caller. Are Hi, you there? Yeah. Hey, is this Laurel's Pizza? I'd like a Jerry special, a large Jerry special. Hold the mushrooms. Who are Sorry. you? Who are you? Billy Hopeless. Hey, it's Billy. Yeah, I want a, Zorro, I want a Jerry special. I was curious, Billy, what is Vancouver known for food-wise? I know we have sushi. I know we have casual fine dining. You know, all the restaurants, the Cactus Club, Milestones, etc. But you had put out there Zorro's Pizza. Is yeah, Vancouver pizza in the world. Uh, is there still a pizza war in Vancouver? Yeah, but, you know, it's, it doesn't matter because you can go and fight the war. But why would you want to fight the war when you can just go to Zorro's and get the best pizza in the world. I mean, give, I thought that's who I was calling. You know, you want a Jerry special for sure. It's the best pizza there is in, this, in the whole world, I think, since St. Mark's close in New York. You think you get a better piece of pizza than Zorro's. How long have you been going to Zorro's? Uh, since I was a kid. I, I, I refuse to go anywhere else. Once you've done Zorro's, you won't go anywhere else. You like, suck it, Sunrise. I'm going to Zorro's. What about the pizza war from the 1990s? Because there was yeah. a lot of pizza, wasn't there, in the 1990s? Yeah, with a fresh slice, a slice of life. Yeah, that was, that, you know, when that started, and the whole 99-cent slice thing. But, you know, you just can't compete with Zorro's. I mean, why would you even want a slice when you get a whole pie of excellence? Aside from eating, Billy, how would people know you? You are Billy Hopeless, but how would people know you? Who are you, Billy Hopeless? Billy Hopeless is a word that's associated with, I want to punch that guy in the face, maybe, or something. I don't know. You know, uh, the Black Halos, as in the Black Halos, and numerous other bands along my wretched past. But, yeah. You, know, you, you were also known as the Bloody Butt Unbowed Narrator. Yeah, what can you tell the people? I'm very proud of all my achievements. Uh, and actually, I saw you, and Alan McKinnis mentioned this as well. Could you describe the opening of Bloody Butt Unbowed, the history, kind of, of Vancouver punk rock, and you and the skateboard? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, when uh, the debut... 
they had this idea of skull skates. My buddy PD from Skull Skates had made a bloody button bound skateboard with Randy Rampage on it back in the DOA days. And it was a limited edition skateboard. And there was the idea to give one away. So I skateboarded down the aisle with a rubber skull mask on and thought, I'll do a skateboard toss. And I threw the skateboard into the crowd. And, you know, well, it hit a guy in the head. And he had to get stitches. And which led to the great sub-comment of Billy Hopeless. He's a guy who leave you in stitches. Baboom. And we are talking to Billy Hopeless. Billy, what did you learn from Bloody Butt Unbound? What did I learn from Bloody Butt Unbound? Because like, you knew a lot already. But yeah. what did you learn being the narrator? I learned that uh, watching Art Bergman up on the, when Art Bergman's up on the cross, you can look at him and tell him, hey, man, you were great, but it just ain't going to do no justice when you're up on the cross, right? How did it inspire you? Like how, how... inspire me? I got, well, I, got a, I think I got a Mickey and a pack of smokes, and that was pretty inspiring. Well, you did get a dimwit haircut. Didn't you have a dimwit haircut for a while? No, not really. Yeah, I just did that every now and then. I've, I've always changed, you know. It's like Bowie. You know, you got to changes, right? How did you discover DOA, Billy Hopeless? How, How did I discover DOA? Well, Soundproof was the first thing. The TV show Soundproof, which was on cable access, you know, because back, back in the dark ages, dating myself because no one else would want to date me, back in the dark ages, that was what we had, you know. That's how you found out about music was turning on cable access and going, wow, it's Soundproof, and they're showing videos by punk bands and new wave bands. Like the first time I saw Duran Duran, Planet Earth was on there, and I suddenly went, a new romantic. Whatever happened to the new romantics? I mean, I remember the romantics. Now even they're gone. But remember the new romantics when they were new? Oh, yes, indeed. I love them. Uh, Do you call them the old romantics now? I loved Soundproof. I loved it. Did you discover DOA and Dayglows before Black Flag? Exactly. You know, it was something to be proud of. You know, and then we had CBC had great shows like Switchback, and, you know, that would play. I remember seeing The Clash, London Calling, debuting on Switchback. You know, when you're a kid, that was pretty amazing to have a children's show on CBC and them playing The Clash. Right? What ended the Black Halos? Was it Hanoi Rocks? Was it Amen? You know, I think it was just the fact that we toured so hard that you kind of went crazy. And, you know, things go crazy when you tour as much as we did and as hard as we did in the lifestyle we're living. Things are good. It's like a firecracker. You light the fuse and it's going to explode. You just don't know how long it's going to last. And anything good is like a firecracker. What about Amen, the band Amen? Didn't they have something to do with the end of the Halos? Yeah, kind of. That didn't last, though. I think Rich was, we just saw what was happening with the Halos. It was at that point of going boom. And... Rich went and joined Amen, and then that went boom faster than we did. <laughs> that exploded faster. I think he learned from that. And now Rich is with the Hanoi Rocks yeah, guy? He's with Mike Monroe, which I understand, because when I first met Rich, I think the, the real thing was he would have bought Mike Monroe shitting on pink vinyl. I mean, he loved, he loved Hanoi Rocks. We'd fight over, like, records of Zulu, Zulu Records. I remember him going... Oh, all those wasted years, the double live album, and it's got the original comic book in it. And me going, oh, wow, I don't have that. And him going, buying it, and grabbing it, and going, mine. And Neil going, don't you already have that? And him going, yeah, I have like four copies, but this one's, you know, I've only got two of the comic book. He was such a diehard Hanoi fan. I'm really happy for him. And he's back with me now in the Halo, so we're back together. So everything's good. Have you had any personal contact with Mike from Hanoi Rocks? I talked to him on the phone when Halos were signed on Century Media. I talked to him on the phone briefly. That's about it. I, he's, from what Rich tells me, he's kind of aloof. Uh, Century Media, for one second there. Home of Arch, Enemy, Napalm, Death, yeah, yeah. Queensryche. How did you end up on Century Media? Uh, they wanted to make a sub-label called Wicker and Poker, which was kind of a rock and roll label, and... Yeah, they they jumped on us. They they wanted us. And they ended br- up on that with Backyard Babies, The Bones, Hanoi Rocks. There's a Lucifer, I think. There's a bunch of bands that were on that sub label, and we got on that. And they bribed you with Hanoi Rocks, talking to Mike from Hanoi Rocks. Well, that was part of it. And they gave me a bunch of autograph posters, and you know, <laughs> but also you know they got us in Metal Edge magazine. 
And, you know, for me, that was like, stuff like that. I was like, that's kind of cool. Made a, made a cool video, flew us out to LA, and yeah, it was pretty fun, you know. I can't bitch. Before the Black Halos, and I'm speaking to Billy yeah. Hopeless, there were the Black Market Babies. Yeah, for th- played on Thunderbird Radio Hell with you. Remember that? I do indeed. For three years, yeah. pretty much, you were the Black Market Babies yeah, until yeah. DC was discovered. Yeah, well, Boyd, yeah, Joe from DOA, going back to DOA, got a hold of me and said that Boyd from the Black Market Baby band, which was an old DC band, had heard about us and through him and asked, wanted to talk to me. And Boyd asked us to change our name. And, you know, I thought that we didn't have to, but I thought it was a respectable thing to do. You know, you don't want to be going, calling yourself like a band, like someone going, hey, we're Led Zeppelin, right? And they weren't even that big, but they're pretty damn cool. So, you know, it's a respect matter. How far were you into the black market babies? Like, did you get a black market babies tattoo? Yeah, I did. I got, well, everyone had their amps done. Yeah, I got black market Billy, which still, I don't care. It still holds. It still holds. It's a, it's a part of the time. It's a memory. Yeah. And then, hey, the black market store, that's where I came from. And there's a black market in Toronto, which Rich remembered. But here in Vancouver, one of the first stores that sold punk rock stuff and metal stuff, along with Odyssey Imports, was the black market which had a store in the back called The Web. And they had like their golf clothes, but in the back they had The Web. And I remember buying an Iron Maiden Number of the Beast back patch there, as well as buying like a Ramon shirt there. So, yeah, the black market. What about Cheap Thrills? Yeah, that's another one. Yeah, Cheap Thrills was, uh, was a store I managed, which was a lot of fun. It's been a lot of cool. You know, Vancouver needs that. We need some crazy stuff. That's what I think Vancouver, like me, when people say, what am I best known for? Kim McGuire died this year, who was the actress who played Hatchet Face and Cry Baby. And, you know, that I think is a really great loss, along with any, just like any John Waters character, because you'll never forget Hatchet Face. There can only be one. And in the words of Hatchet Face, I got character. And that's it. What, what's Vancouver known for and what does Vancouver need more of? It needs more character. It needs more Billy Hopeless. That's what it needs, because I got character. And that's like when you say cheap thrills, anything like that. DOA, look at those look at those characters you had there. Vancouver is known for its characters. What about the song Eight Legged Freaks, Billy? <laughs> eight legged freaks? You mean blood sucking freaks? Yes. Yeah, eight legged freaks. That was a good B movie though. I did like eight legged freaks. That is a really good giant spider B movie. I do really dig that. But no, Blood Sucking Freak. Yeah, that was one of the first songs we wrote, which is about another B movie. Where did you meet the rest of the black market babies? Like, for instance, I remember Valora was your yeah. drummer. Did you meet her at her candy shop? No, we had was Valora I met, actually. I forget how I met Valora, but I remember when she was in Cub, which happened to be UBC just rearranged when it comes down to it. Cub, let's face it, it was UBC rearranged to make Cub. And, yeah, the band, Cuddlecore band Cub, I remember seeing her, them open up, for Hole, I went to see Hole play at the town pump, and I think you were there. No one was there. And Cub were opening up, and I remember going, wow, the cool golf drummer is the coolest member of the band. That girl's the coolest member of that band. She's like in Cub. I was like, you know, ooh, ooh, cha-cha. Nah, it doesn't really work for me. My chinchilla is dead. No, it doesn't work for me. Great vocalist, but nah, the songs were just didn't work for me. But yeah, when I saw Valora, she she stood out. She had character, like I said. Uh, what about Valora and her yeah. recordings with the Black Market Babies? Do any exist? Because I think no. she did a session also with Joey Shithead, and yeah, of course she came out the CITR. Yeah. Do do any of those exist? No, she wasn't. I don't think she was on the one with Joe. I don't think she's playing on the one with Joe. I don't think, I think we had already switched drummers by that. We had so many members, it's so hard to keep track of it. You know, if I was to write a book and do a family tree, art family tree had many branches. It wasn't like one of these straight-up deals. We had, I think we had more changes than, than DOA did, you know, when you look at it for a while there. We were like, had the rotating lineup constantly. If you're putting a band together now, Billy Hopeless, yeah. how should band practice run? How did you run band practice? Militant, you know, it should be very militant. Like, you show up, and you 
start by jamming some covers you do it, but if anyone doesn't show up, you make fun of them. You, all, you always make fun of them, and that way they'll always show up. And it should be quite militant, I think, band practice. And then you go to a bar afterwards, and you have drinks, and that's the way it works. Is it kind of like a live show? Is a practice a live show? Yeah, kind of. You know, you're always just into it. You've you know, you got to let go. It's like... It's like the force. You just go and you do it. You can't really explain it. When you're in a band, you just go and you plug in and you go. And then you fine-tune it later. You just, you know, you just let go. Like stacks or pinball or skateboarding or anything good. You can't just have your computer plugged in. Luke, you got to shoot. They want to shoot that tunnel. You got to just let go, man. Use the force, Luke. You mentioned, Billy Hopeless, that Rich is back in the Black Halos? Yeah, we're writing, we wrote a, put out two new songs this year, and we went towards Spain and England and Portugal together, and now we're writing new songs once again, writing and working on an album. What was Rich like back then with Valera? <laughs> was he kind of like adult-like? What was Rich and Valera like? What were they like? Well, you know, Valerie was just Valerie. Right? She, she didn't even stay long in the band. She wasn't Black Market Babies that long, really. She had a short stay, but Rich, Rich was there since day one with me. And Rich is one of the greatest. He's, I don't know, he's like my, my asshole brother, you know? I love him. I love him. I hate him at times, but I love him. He's just, you know, my partner in crime, the best songwriting partner I've ever known. And one thing I'll say is when it comes to shit comes down, that guy's got your back and... Hey, you're back-to-back with Rich Jones. That guy knows how to fight. Billy Hopeless, you had quite an intense period in hospital. Were you really in there for like two months? Yeah, yeah. They told me I was either going to be paralyzed from the waist down or die. And it was probably the most frightening still. I still get freaked out by it. And yeah, they told me that. And somehow I pulled through, which was pretty, pretty insane. You know, my, my favorite memories of that time, there's not many, many good memories. My dad died during that time, too, which really sucked while I was in the hospital. But Chai Pig came one night, and I was so drugged up, and they said that it would seem like a dream to me. Chai Pig came with his rubber pig mask and a suit and a suitcase, and he drew a picture of me because I was so inflated. It was like this weird reaction I was having. But he drew a picture and left it by the bedside, and it seemed like just this drugged-out dream. And then the next day, I asked the doctor, and he goes, yeah, we usually don't let people in when nurses goes, We don't let people in that late at night, let alone dress the way he was. But he said he was a friend of yours, and, you know, a guy in a pig, pig mask and a suit comes to your hospital room. We figured we had to let him in. Were you strapped down at that point? Yeah, yeah, I was. It was terrible. How were you strapped down? Like, why? Uh, because I was, it was... I think just because they had to, they're filling me with so many drugs and so many, like, trying to find an antibiotic, they'd give me spinal taps, you know, and it was just, just a nightmare. I really don't like to think about that too much because even going, my mom used to work at VGH, and going by VGH now, I still get the heebie-jeebies, you know. It's like, it's kind of a creepy thing to have that, to have someone actually, and have someone actually put it to you and say, hey, you know, you think you'd be paralyzed and waist down or die, and me thinking I'd rather die. You know, that's a pretty heavy place to be. Billy Hopeless, you mentioned Century Media previously. Yeah. What was it like getting signed to Sub Pop in the Black Halos? Was that part of the Murder City Devils? Yeah, it was. Uh, they had a single out, and we got in touch with them, and they got us in touch with, actually, a girl named Meg, a great, beautiful, wonderful lady named Meg, who was running their, their sub-label, Die Young, Stay Pretty, that the Devils were on. And started was doing that. Who knew Rob, Rob Halo, Robbie Halo from who was a drummer in Halo's longest drummer from Spark Marker days, and when he used to be in the band Spark Marker with Tim Knicken. So it was all that sort of connection. And then yeah, they came out and saw us and played at Piccadilly. And Jonathan Poneman came out with his million dollars in his pocket and went, yeah, let's sign these boys. What do you remember about being on Sub Pop? Like, you were around, like, Sunny Day real estate era, weren't you? Or wh- yeah, who were your contemporaries on Sub Pop? My contemporaries on Sub Pop as well as the Devils were. When they signed the Yo-Yos, I thought that was killer. Because the Yo-Yos, when they signed Jesus and Mary Chain during our stay, was killer, too. Because, man, Jesus and Mary Chain are wicked. Sunny Day real estate, I remember they asked them to put us on the guest list to go see them. And I fell asleep during the show. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't put up with that. That didn't rock me and it didn't roll me, right? 
So, yeah, I fell asleep during the Sunny Day Real Estate show. I, I still have no interest in Sunny Day Real Estate. I guess I'm not really into that market, that real estate market. Did Sub Pop get you a credit card? Oh, no. If I, they did, they didn't give it to me, and I wouldn't give me a credit card anyways. How about Rodney on the Rock? Did Sub Pop get yeah. you on Rodney on the no, Rock? No, he just did. Rodney actually just did. He just heard us and liked us. And then there was a girl, I think there was a girl, because Rodney likes girls, right? Rodney really likes girls. And there was a girl who was a fan who introduced us and said, hey, you know, and I think there's something where if she went topless on the show with us, Rodney would play us. She showed up and was topless or something. You have interesting named record labels. Little TNA Records? Yeah, yeah. She's my little rock and roll ho. And also, what label was We Are Not Alone on? That one was on History, which was the last Halos before the new Halos. The last run with that when yeah, that, that record was on History Records. And there also is Safety Pin Records, which you yeah. have repped. You have repped, right? Safety Pin's out of Spain. You bet, man. And now my new single, which is just out now, is coming out of Spain on Snap Records. People thought you were hot during the MySpace era. What do they think now during the Facebook era? Well, you know, I'm like a universal screwdriver, right? I mean, I, I can work to any size, you know? I mean, you may be all tight, but I'll get you loose. And that's how it works. I'm like, you know, a crescent wrench, baby. You know, you may be all nuts, but I'm going to get you loose. And that's the way it works. And I think that's what people think, really. You know, I think I ain't changed, really. That's the first thing, me and Rich together, I was looking going, <laughs> we haven't really changed. We're still bastards, and we're both laughing. But the MySpace era got you a lot of things. Like, for instance, you tested nail polish on the Shopping Bags TV show? I wasn't even through MySpace. I was just, yeah, you know, as I said, the many achievements. If, if I was to write a book, people, Joe, actually, Joe from DOA said to me at one point, said, if I was to write a book, people wouldn't believe it at all. It just seemed like fiction about what the Halos actually did, some of the moments with the Halos. And I look back at it, and I just laugh and go, wow, we actually did that? That's crazy. And you got Lee Aaron in a video, yeah, too. Yeah, She was a school teacher. That was one of my fantasies, yeah. She's a great lady, but still, you know, as a little kid, that's Lee Aaron, the metal queen of school teacher in school teacher outfit. Hot. Did she get much feedback from being in your vid? Did she... You know, have you seen her since? The Metal Queen. Yeah, I, saw, I saw when she did her lounge act, when she's doing her lounge, which she did actually very well. And, yeah, no, she's just Lee. Lee just, she's, you know, you don't really care. You just do what you do. You keep on doing what you do. Win or lose, I mean, you got to still go and kick that ball. Who are, Billy Hopeless, the fucking Americans? Who are the fucking Americans? Yeah, you, you joined him on stage to do Sonic Reducer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a band. God, where was that band? That band, oh, God, where was that? It was like Holland, I think. In Holland, I think it was Holland. There were these young kids called the Fucking Americans. And we're on tour at that point. We're on tour with Kerry from U.S. Bombs and his band. I forgot his band was called. But he was on, they were on, we had already toured with Dwayne and, so you, and Dwayne and the Huns. But so we ended up on tours, yeah, in Europe, and having Terry and his band, Freddie's band was called, but they were playing with us, and yeah, we played the skate park, BMX skate park in Holland, I think it was, and yeah, these young kids were up doing Sonic Producer, and I was just like, fuck this, I'm getting up and singing with them. What sort of what sort of covers have you done over the years? Because I know you've done Misfits and Kiss. What sort of covers have you done? I had a band of Benitos. I did the Greg Kinn band. We did so many covers with the Halos. We did, like, the Dead Boy Songbook, pretty much. You name a Dead Boy song, we we did it. But we did um, Lords of New Church, Russian Roulette. Yeah, I did the breakup song with the Benitos, which was cool. And my new single, my new single, well, it's a kind of a cover, I guess. I don't know, you know. It's kind of a cover, but is it really? Well, Van Morrison, Gloria. Yeah, yeah, well, Gloria, see, I don't know, the only Gloria I know is Gloria Stivick and Laura Branigan's Gloria, but I never met them dames. Have you played Ireland at all? No, I've never played Ireland. I'd love to play Ireland. 
What's... Anyway, I want to play Japan. I'm working on Japan. We sold more records in Japan than anywhere, and we never got to Japan. And I hear it's fabulous. I hear I'd be really big there. And they love Vancouver punk rock, don't they? Yeah, exactly. I want to do Japan. You were saying in Spain they love Vancouver punk rock, and there even is a Vancouver punk rock bar yeah, in it Spain? Was in Madrid. It was in Madrid. So the first thing we landed in Madrid, and I introduced them to Slow. I, they hadn't heard Slow. I introduced, I introduced Spain to Slow. Spain also loves the band Bum from Victoria, yeah, don't they? Yeah, they do. And who don't love Bum? Bum are a great band. What do you think about a Vancouver punk rock history, a la the Smiling Buddha Cafe, Cafe? Why is it called the SBC? Well, because the Smiling Buddha, the guy who originally owned it, I guess, he has, he's got a problem with the fact that he abandoned it for so long and just left it to nothing. And then two friends of mine ended up taking it over. I'm going to go there tomorrow night and see Dayglo Boysons play. And, yeah, they took it over and made it a wicked indoor skate park venue where I held Taco Fiesta and other things, and they still, they, they hold great nights there, great guys. And he doesn't like that. He doesn't like that these young kids are actually using the name Smiling Buddha and re, rebuilding it, bringing it back to life, bringing it, giving it life again. He doesn't like that because his glory, he thinks it's all his glory, but really, no, he wasn't that, he wasn't that great of a guy. <laughs> For years, the Smalling Buddha was a home of punk rock in Vancouver. Yeah. Then it was dormant for a long time. How much is the same when you walk into the new Smalling Buddha cabaret? It's, what is the same? It's not really just the same building. You know, a whole is a whole. Like people with CBGBs, you know, we played CBGBs. I played CBGBs a few times. And, you know, CBGBs really honestly, there were way better bars like the Continental in New York which treated you way better and way better, but it's, it's what happened there. It's not what the building is. It's what happened there, like a home. A home is just a building, but it's the love that's shared in the home. It's what happened in that home. It's the beer stains on your carpet. It's, it's the magic memories of, oh, God, remember how gross that bathroom was at that booze can? But, man, you were passed out on the floor in your own puke. It's those wonderful memories, those colorful moments that really hold us all together and make us really think and go, wow, remember that place? Even though it was one of the worst holes there is. Billy Hopeless, what were your memories of playing CBGBs? How did it go? <laughs> I remember my favorite, I think my favorite memory was one time they, because we had on a rider a hot meal, and they ended up cooking a pizza in the basement. That was pretty amazing because, uh, I think it was Howie Pyro or Jesse from DJ, the band Degeneration who said, you know, you guys actually ate in a pizza with the greasiest pizza you could ever eat. And he's like, you guys actually ate something cooked in the kitchen? I think, don't, can't think of when the last time that kitchen was used, you know, maybe 78. And same with the back doors were open, and they were commenting on that. Going, But I think my favorite, actually my favorite memory of CBGB's was, Jeff Magnum, meeting Jeff Magnum, and it was, it was um, Jesse Mullen, guy, a great musician, Jesse Mullen, saying, hey, someone wants to meet you. And meeting, meeting Jeff Magnum from the Dead Boys, and then Matt, our bass player, coming up and saying, hey, you want to go see uh, Joey Ramone with some Ronnie chick play at an artist loft? And me going, Ronnie Spector? And he's like, yeah. And me just going, uh, And that night I got to kiss Ronnie Spector. And, you know, kissing Ronnie Spector, that's pretty damn amazing. What about kissing Johnny Ramone? No, Joey wasn't there. She's in the hospital, which is really sad. But Ronnie did her whole set. And, man, when she did You Can't Put Your Arms Around a Memory by Johnny Thunders, that was just, you know, I had tears in my eyes. She noticed that. That was, that was one of those magical moments. And once again, it was just this artist loft. It was just a room. What makes a good gig for Billy Hopeless? What makes a good gig? A good gig? What makes a good gig is the energy that transfers between the band and the audience. It's true that way. Like, if everybody's having a good time, the band's having a good time, the audience is having a good time, that really makes a good gig. And, of course, you know, having, like, a really good rider in the backstage is always really, really good. You know, like, when I go just touring Spain the last time and at every show, it was like, here's your meal before you play. And here's your two bottles of whiskey in a big tub of ice with Coca-Cola. And you're just like, civilization. 
I have arrived. This is civilized. I'm being treated like a civilized animal. I'm still an animal, but they're treating me properly. It's not just, you know, some crappy zoo show, circus. They're actually treating you like royalty. And that's, that really helps. I got to say, it really helps to know that you're appreciated. And we're speaking to Billy Hopeless live on Denardwar, the human serviette radio show. And I was curious, Billy, how many times have you showed your <laughs> on stage? My <laughs> on stage? How many times have I showed my <laughs> on stage? That wasn't me. I never did that. That's never happened. Oh, how never. about no, how about un, how about good kid nod? Why? Well, what do you think? Well, I'm, I'm intentional. Well, let me rephrase this. Children listening. It's early. Come on. How you many? Don't need to know about my. How many times have you split your pants? How many times have I split my pants? I don't know. You know, it's like the Bay City Roller said. I got to rock and roll you, and I'm here to let you know I'm going to rock and roll till my pants explode. What is That's good? My rock and roll love letter to you. What is good when you split your pants on stage? Duct well, tape? Well, you did a good show. I think, you know, if you're not sweaty when you get off stage, you ain't working hard enough. You ain't giving. You know, if, if there isn't a cigarette butt stuck in your navel or something, and broken glass stuck in your shoulder, you ain't, you ain't doing it right. There's something wrong with you. But duct tape does up. help. Duct tape does help, right? Yeah, yeah, it does help. You, we, I've, we had pants with black and white babies for a while. I was wearing pants because we couldn't. I couldn't get any afford any PVC pants or leather pants or anything. So I was just making duct tape pants, and you had to cut me out of them after a show. My circulation would be gone. You'd have to cut me out of them. They're just pant jeans covered in duct tape, tightly wrapped in duct tape. Billy Hopeless, there is a picture floating around of yeah. you and yeah. a naked lady. A naked lady. What is that from? There's been many. I can't help it. Well, on I, can't, I can't help the power I have. It's, you know, what's the word on the tip of every girl's tongue? It's Billy. I can't help it. I would. I should really re-clarify that. I should say on stage. Do you yeah, remember yeah. a naked stage invasion? There's been many. There's been many. I've had, you know, I've had my orifices probed by girls on stage. It's terrible, you know. I don't understand it, but I guess it's some, there's something that goes on there. It's the magic of rock and roll, isn't it? Aside from you, Billy Hopeless, who have you seen get naked on stage? Uh, Iggy, I've seen Iggy guys. We're all Iggy Pop, let's face it. Anyone who says anyone's ripping off anything, we're all Iggy Pop now, aren't we? But, yeah, you know, I've seen Iggy naked on stage. I've seen Lux and Lux. There's a great one. Lux, rest in peace, never forgotten. Lux interior. I mean, there'll never be another Lux. What was it like doing rap shows? You played some shows with the Swollen Members. Yeah, we did, yeah, with Gob and the Swollen Members. It was pretty, you know, it's kind of weird in a way because, you know, sometimes when you're playing with bands like that, and you don't think the crowd's going to get you, and it's like the Chad Biff and Lance crowd. But then there's the punk kid who comes up and goes, oh, thank God there was a band like you guys on. And the funniest thing is, even then, they put down gobs sometimes. The band, to be, the kids, the punk kids would be like, oh, man, you guys are the real thing. Yeah, that not like gob and all. But then gob would be on, and they'd all be up front anyway, singing along with gob, and just laugh and go, <laughs> laugh at it, and the fellow can go, yeah, you know what? And small members, you know, Prevail, Prevail is a super cool guy, a mad child, mad child. I don't, just don't understand why he's so mad. And he was doing quite all right. And, you know, he's not a child. He's mad, mad adult, I'd say. Did you play with any other rap bands at all? Uh, no, but we, we shared a jam space with, what were they called? I can't remember the rap band that we shared a jam space with. That was really cool. I can't remember what they're called. Like the Roots or something? I don't know. I can't remember what they're called. But they're really cool. You also played the Penthouse. Did you play the Penthouse with Robin Black? Yeah, we did. And I smashed their, their legendary disco ball and have been banned from playing there ever since. Uh, now, Robin Black... Is kind of an interesting character. He's he a is, UFC fighter, ain't he now? Like, what was the interaction? <laughs> what was the interaction between the Black Halos and Robin Black? I don't really know. It wasn't, I, I don't know. It wasn't really much, you know. I think some of the guys knew him and stuff. Uh, I knew his sister. His sister was awesome. She used to bartend at the Bovine. His sister, she was, she's, a, she's a doll, and she was super nice. She bartended at the Bovine Sex Club in Toronto. But, 
No, it wasn't that much. I just remember that that show was pretty funny. <laughs> when you broke the show. disco ball, yeah. th- did they want payment? Did they want money right away? Uh, no, but I, they sort of they were really mad about it, and Rob found out that they were really mad about it. So I went and got him a new disco ball and brought it in, and it was like walking into a mafia room where, you know, the guy sitting behind the table, he's like, this is a nice gesture, but... That was our sacred, legendary disco ball, which had been around since the 1940s. People would get to take it home at Christmas, one staff member. It was really part of our heritage. But this is a nice gesture. Now get out of here. <laughs> Me looking, laughing, going like, wow, geez, I, I broke their sacred disco ball. <laughs> disco sucks. Uh, Billy Hopeless, winding up here with Billy Hopeless, Going back to Spain, what other Canadian bands do they love? I mentioned they love Bum, they love love the Black Halos. They still do, but they did like Danko for a while. You know, they they love SNFU. Everyone, you know, SNFU, they love SNFU over there. SNFU's got a really good name over there, for sure. Uh, What about the Nastion and the Spitfires? Yeah, they don't really know them. They don't really know them. They like Lachinga. They like Clachinga, which is sort of like an off, aftershoot of the Spitfires. When we played this place, the Kangas, and the Kangas are awesome. They're crazy. They won't let you get off stage with Kangas. They're, they're, they're a good time, the Kangas. You can't escape the Kangas. But anyways, that there were Lachinga stickers up there. And Lachinga, when we were playing there, and we put up footage of the crowd chanting after we played and not letting us off stage and chanting, and the guys from Lachinga were like, Kangas. And I was like, yeah, Kangas. Billy Hopeless, you mentioned the Black Halos did the Dead Boys sound songbook, essentially. Yeah, yeah, um, well, even the detention home, man. Uh, you loved the Misfits and Kiss as well, which made yeah. me think, did you ever meet Danzig or Simmons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I met Jerry's a way, nice, was a way nicer guy. I think Danzig's gotten nicer now. I think he's finally learned to. Yeah, I met Danzig a couple of times. I had two run-ins with Danzig, and nah, nah, he wasn't really my kind of dude. What about Gene Simmons? Gene, yeah, no, nah, I was with you when Gene Simmons, when you were with Gene, meeting Gene Simmons. Nah, Gene Simmons, remember that Music West thing when he was doing his speech, and he's like, the only band names are single-word short band names. That's the only type of band names I'll make. And I was yelling out, Black Sabbath. Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah, that. Floyd. I think you that know? was when he was speaking at Music West, yeah, like yeah. in two thousand. You know, Gene, I don't think Gene's very nice. We met Paul, and Paul was nice. <laughs> Paul's way nicer. Where'd you meet him? In Hamburg, Germany. We just go round him over. <laughs> well, how did that happen? How did that happen? We're driving down the road, and you're not supposed to drive down the road that we're driving down. It's a pedestrian only. And we were driving, trying pretty fast, and yeah, it was like, hey, look, we, look at those old rocker guys we just about hit. Those aren't old rocker guys. That's uh, Paul Stanley and Doc McGee, their manager, and the fake Ace and the fake Peter. That was the best thing when all through that tour we kept going, know who we met? Know who we did meet? And it was like, who? And we were like, uh, what's his name again? The fake Ace. What's the fake Ace Freely's name? Um, Tommy? No, Tommy? Is the name Tommy? Tommy Thayer, that was it. We were like, no, we met Tommy Thayer. <laughs> like, really? Tommy Thayer? <laughs> Come on. He's not ace, really. Was ace it, way cooler. Was that in the Black Kilos? Yeah, yeah. That was like during the last one of the last runs in Europe, before the last run, which is the new run. What is the... the newer run, but not the newer run, because the new run's the new run, right? Not the old run. Billy Hopeless, what is the Bird Showroom? The Bird Showroom? Because there's a picture of you behind a photo, uh, you in the bird showroom behind you. Oh yeah, yeah, the bird. Okay, that was that was my that was actually Christmas Eve in Surrey, Christmas Eve in Wally, and we stopped off to go to the liquor store because the only liquor store is open to Christmas Eve. It was out in Surrey in Wally, beautiful Wally, and it's the bird, the birds, the strip bar in Wally, and it's kind of one of those last of the. Wild Frontier strip bars out in Surrey, and the best thing was they were playing Hell's Bells on Christmas Eve, okay? And there's strippers dancing, and then right next to it, you've got a, a place with single mums, which is having their Christmas party. So you just know it's like, okay, well, after my set, I'm going over to the single mum place, and yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those places. It's kind of magical. I think the bird's a magical place. 
as I said, it's, it's character. It's about character. The bird's got character. Speaking of strippers, did you yeah. ever meet Courtney Love? No, I never. I never did meet Courtney. No, no. What was what was that promo shot of you when you're by a, like a card catalog? It's amazing. It says oh, like song. That's at the, the Vancouver Public Library. I was there looking up, reading books on you know how I went to tour on Spain. I was reading, looking up books on songwriting because I, you know, as a songwriter, you got to study. So I was trying to find a songwriter for Dummies book because you know. That really, I really qualify there. And it was shot by Cat Ashby. It's yeah, an amazing, it's an amazing pick, an amazing pick. Thanks, Cat's awesome. I love Cat Ashby. Oh, what was it like playing with the vile tones and the addicts? Well, the acts were amazing, and you know, I've got a photo of a monkey on my back, so I had a monkey on my back. The addicts were just amazing. They were, they put on, they know how to put on a show. That band knows how to put on a show. That's one thing I'll say. The Addicts, they put on a great show. The Violetone, Steve Leckie didn't even show up. So he had all these young guys from Toronto. Well, Steve Scarlett's not really young, but he's a great guy, you know, in my age limit. So I guess younger guys, youngish guys. And, yeah, Steve Leckie didn't show up. So I ended up looking, and the band was pissed off, and they were just playing and kicking over their gear. And I went, no, 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 that's not how we did it. So I jumped in, and I was Steve Leckie for that night. And I did the vial tone set with them. And the best thing was, afterwards, people were coming up going, wow, man, it's so great to actually see you play. People thought you were Steve Leckie. <laughs> yeah, they didn't even know who Steve Leckie or what the vial tones were. You know, it's like that nowadays. It's like... Hey, do you, do you like the Doobie Brothers? Well, we got two of them. <laughs> That's pretty much it, right? That's not even the key, too. And you almost met, you almost met Clint Howard? Yeah, no, yeah, what a great, uh, that's actually my sister did, Clint Howard, what a what a legend, you know, the movie Cotton Candy. If you haven't seen Cotton Candy with Torben Burkett and Rapid Fire, man, Cotton Candy's an essential, like, on, if you want to know what, how to be in a band, Cotton Candy will teach you everything about how to be in a band. And I think that is Bum from Victoria's favorite band, a favorite, favorite movie. Yeah, well, I wouldn't doubt it, you know. That's, it's a great guideline to rock and roll. As I said, rapid fire, man. That's and, a band. Now, that's a band. And also, the passing of Zaza Gabor. That, yeah. That shook, you, that shook you pretty hard, didn't it? Yeah, well, there's been lots that died, you know. I mean, look at Danny Kaye going, Gene Wilder. Come on. These are legends to us, right? Zaza did high-heeled high sneakers. Yeah, wasn't that great? Which we're going to play. We're going to play. It's and good. Uh, what, good. what can you wasn't say about Zaza doing high-heeled sneakers? I just think it's like it's glam meets glitter, you know? It's like glimmer. It's great. And when I say glimmer, I mean it, man. It just, you know, glow little glowworm. It's just fantastic. It's like, that's what the world needs. The world needs fun. The world needs glam. The world needs glitter. The world needs just bobby socks, man. The world needs more bobby socks. And before that, we are going to debut your brand new 7-inch. Gloria, I'll give you 7 inches. What can you say about the 7-inch with the Bad Beats? Well, the Bad Beats is actually, you know, they're a local garage band. I can't say enough about how great they are. But the best thing was, at that time, there's uh, the guitarist, Adam Payne, who I've worked on a lot of stuff with. He had his studio, which was in a garage out in East Van. So when you're in a garage band and you're actually playing in a garage, that's where it's at. You're not, like, now they've, now they've sold out. They play in a jam space now. But... You know, when it's a garage band that actually is playing in a garage, that's amazing. They've hit the big time now. They don't have to be in a garage no more. But at least they have the credit. They started in a garage, so they are truly a garage band. And, yeah, the song, uh, 7-inch, 12-inches would be way too much for you kids. 12 inches of Billy Hopeless at this point would be way too much. But 7 inches, that's just a good tease for you. It's like the little tip only, right? And that's what the world needs. And as I said, speaking of tips, like I said... What's the one word that's on the tip of every girl's tongue? That's what that's what the seven is all about. Are you gonna do some more gigs with the bad beats? What bands do you have yeah, active just, right that was now? Just one shot, a one shot. That was a one shot. I'm with said I'm working on the Halos now, and I'm, then I've got some more Billy Hopeless songs I want to record. But I'm working on the Halos and planning on going back out 
back out probably to Spain and hopefully Japan, some other places with the halos again, because I think the world needs it. And I, me and Rich, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's no. a lot of fun seeing each other and working together. Rob was also in Spark Marker. What, was. what can you say about Spark Marker? Because we might play a bit of Spark Marker live at CITR. What can you say about Spark Marker and Punk Strikes Back? You know, yeah, uh, yeah. Spark Marker was well. Spark Marker was doing so that that emo thing before, which you know they they called hardcore, even though it was really softcore. They were doing that before anyone was really, and. They were one of the first uh, birth bands, I think, for that sort of that sort of scene. And I remember we played with them because Rob and Rich worked at Sam the Record Man together on Seymour. So we ended up playing a show with them. And I remember the Sparkmarker kids didn't like us, and our fans didn't really like Sparkmarker. But the fact was, I think that we liked good guys. We liked each other, as fr- and so sort of respected each other. And the best thing, I think, was the fact that Rob Scaldish, I mean, his favorite bands were Aerosmith and Slayer, probably, at that time. And he was playing in Spark Market. He needed to be in the Black Halos, let's face it. I mean, you can't deny your past. You like T-Rex, right? Who don't like T-Rex? What have the members gone on to from the Black Halos? What have Um, the members gone on to, in case people are wondering? Jay's got a band called the Midnight Towers. Jay Millett's got a band called the Midnight Towers out of Toronto. He moved back to Toronto. Um, Rich, as I said, is playing with the Michael Monroe Band, as well as working with me on New Halos. Rob has a band, Red Vienna, which is sort of like more like a Coldplay-ish band, I guess you'd say. Kind of that sort of sound, Coldplay, really deep, moody music. And uh, Matt went on to do Black Mountain to do the Black Mountain Halos, and now he's actually running the Portland Society, which is actually really cool. Matt Kamirin's running the work in the Portland. I think, and I think he's in charge of something. That's really cool, I think. What about Dennis on bass? Dennis on bass? He just sort of disappeared, is the way we like to put it. We don't really like to get into that. I hope he's doing well. I don't know what's going on with Dennis. I hope he's doing well. I hope he's out there somewhere doing well. Anything else you would like to tell the people out there, Billy Hopeless, about your 7-inch? About my 7-inch, it's out now. It's a split with Spain's number one numero uno rock and roll amigo, Star Mafia Boy. It's on blue, clear vinyl, a limited 7-inch on Snap Records out of Madrid, Spain. And what can I say about it other than you're going to be singing this everywhere you go. And this is the debut. You have chosen... It's the first time. Other people wanted to play it, and people are mad at me because I said I'm debuting with you, Nardwire, but our history together goes so far back, and let's face it, you got character, Nardwire. Why should people care about Billy Hopeless? Why should people care? Because I've got character. You see these places getting torn down. It's all getting replaced by this phony baloney stuff. And the stuff that's just boring, 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 boring. The world needs me. The world needs character. The world needs mutts and mixed breeds. The world needs Billy Hopeless. Well, thank you very much, Billy Hopeless. Really appreciate you phoning in to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show. And here is your brand new 7-inch. Yeah, that's right. Sing it, girls. And doot-doo-loot-doo. Doot-doo.
pretty sure of one thing. I know I'm really going to knock them dead.
suspend these guys, they're going to suspend these poor guys. I follow what he does, and everything does, believe it. Here's Paul Way. All right, I want to do another show. Two more, there's two. Okay. It's an odd car! You're on the air! Hello? Yeah, I'm trying to get some feedback. You were on the air before, but you didn't get any feedback. You want feedback? You got Live on CITI. And that's what happens to callers when they screw with the marker. You don't screw with the spark marker. You don't screw with the spark marker live on and that was Spark Marker live on the Nardwar the Human Serviette radio show in 1992. And before that, Touchdown by Spark Marker from Final Notice Records, 1992, recorded by Don Fury in New York. And before that, Zaza Gabor with High Heeled Sneakers and before that, Billy Hopeless and the Bad Beats with Gloria, brand new, a world exclusive. To end the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show, I thought I would play something by More or Less. Blow the fuck up. We're going to play I Hate Rap featuring Word Burglar. Hate Rap. Hate Rap by More or Less. And then we're going to follow it up by Les Finnegan doing the song More or Less Happy. So here is More or Less with Hate Rap featuring Word Burglar from Toronto, Ontario. And from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, we are going to hear Les Finnegan with More or Less Happy on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. I don't like that. And very proud of that fact, those slackers ever taken. Bring raps to save your bacon like a whole wheat flour tortilla. We receive it on a daily basis. Yeah, we got power. Lyrics in the tracks, they make a statement that your average logo kept gun toting the can't hack. Like Johnny Lee Miller, zero cool like a fool on the roof. You're a prank act. Me, I just rock it to a full house. Thumbs up saying you got it, dude. Drop the two, not enthused with fake accents. Rap how we talk, we live and take action. From the north down to south by southwest. The type of house guest that get the good couch bed. No doubt, friend. This ain't disposable property. Our crowns stay fresh. Like local broccoli. So probably the probability of giving props to you is like if more or less just stop watching Dr. Who, Violets, and Maybachs. We don't display that. You say that we're fake cats. Yo, how should we take that? Skills in your face, Jack. And you can't replace that. It's word bird. Love by people who hate rap. Violence and Maybachs. We don't display that. You say that we're fake cats. How should we take that? Skills in your face, Jack. And you can't replace that. It's more or less. And never have to jock shit Anybody else is doing That's the move that locks kids Into a deal where they don't feel To be themselves an option Guess we're the exception Rapping with affection In this cold war regimes are going to be defected Not what you expected We've got the glow like Destro Armed with words that shine off the dome Like styrofoam Pack up your preconceptions And seek the unique speak Weaved into these sections Beats infected Your entire anatomy Proving that rap ain't what you thought 